And so you, O Lord, that I would plead my case with you. Indeed, I would discuss matters of justice with you. Why has the way of the wicked prospered? Why are all those who deal in treasury at ease? You have planted them, and they have also taken root. They grow, they have even produced fruit. You are near to the lips, but far from the mind. But you know me, O Lord, you see me, and you examine my heart's attitude towards you. Drag them off like sheep for the slaughter, and set them apart for a day of carnage. For <clears throat> how long is the land to mourn, and, and the vegetation of the countryside to wither? For the wickedness of those who dwell in it. Animals and birds have been snatched away because men have said, he will not see our latter ending. Now, do you understand what Jeremiah is doing here? He's saying, uh, can you just end it already? Can you just do what you said? Who's he talking to? He's talking to God. Yeah, he's praying to God. And he's got some concerns. He says, you know, you are righteous. I appreciate the fact he starts with that, because he's going to kind of question it. But he says, I know you're righteous, but I got a problem. You know, I want to discuss matters of justice with you. Well, who knows matters of justice better than God? But Jeremiah is not seeing it right now. He says, why in the way of the wicked prosper? Why are all those who deal in treachery at ease? You planted them, they've taken root, they grow, they produce fruit. They talk about you, but you're not in their mind. And you see me? You know me? You know that I'm really trying to serve you. God, why are you blessing these wicked people who are trying to serve you? And you know me and I am, and you don't, you don't do anything to stop their plots against me. You ever felt like that? This isn't fair. It isn't right. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like, why do wicked people, who don't even care about God at all, you know, they don't have bad things happen to him like them like I have happening to me. Why me? Why doesn't God do justice? Why isn't he fair? I don't think it's fair. You know, that's what Jeremiah is feeling. It's like, man, these wicked people who don't even know you, look at how, how good their life is. And someone like me, who's really trying to do what's right, well, you know, I get, I get plots against my life. Now, something you might think about. When you come across statements like this in Jeremiah, I don't know to what extent he really knows that much about the judgment day and eternal life. Jesus brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Certainly there's some knowledge, some information about, you know, an afterlife in the Old Testament. But there's a lot more clarity about that in the New Testament. So I don't even know if Jeremiah completely understands how that would work or if that's really something he would think about in this situation. And so it's really hard if you feel like, well, I don't know what's going to happen later, but right now, the wicked are doing great, and I'm not, and I'm trying to serve God. He said, you need to punish him, God. Drag him off like sleep sheep for the slaughter. You know, because they're even the, 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 the whole land is suffering because the people are wicked, and they're even saying about you, God, that ah, you don't know anything, you need to see do something about them. Punish them. Sometimes we just get upset with the Lord. You know, it's like, God, you're just not doing the right thing. I just, I, you've got to change. You've got to do something about this. 
That's kind of where Jeremiah's at. I don't know, do you like that attitude on Jeremiah's part? Well, maybe put it this way. Think about it this way. You're God, and you see Jeremiah. And has Jeremiah been preaching faithfully? Yeah? Has it been easy? And is it fair in one sense that these people are plotting against Jeremiah? So again, you see why Jeremiah feels the way he does? <clears throat> so you're God. What would you say to Jeremiah? I understand, Jeremiah. You know, it's pretty rough, but I, I, I've got it under control. You know, you can trust me. It's taken care of. You know, but but I, it's, it's rough. I, I appreciate what you're doing. Appreciate the fact you've been faithful to me. You know, something like that. Would you say something like that? Yeah. Would you try to give him a little pep talk, maybe? You know, hang out a little longer. <laughs> you know, got to go out and do a few more things, but I'll take care of it. That is not what God says to Jeremiah. Wow. Do you understand this? In verse 5, he says, If you've run with footmen and they've tired you out, then how will, can you compete with horses? If you fall down in the land of peace, how will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? For even your brothers in the household of your father, even they've dealt treacherously with you. Even they have cried aloud after you. Do not believe them, although they may say nice things to you. So what kind of sympathy is God offering Jeremiah? See any sympathy there? Like zero? <laughs> you know, what's he basically telling Jeremiah? There's a long word to come. Yeah, and so he better do what? Yeah, exactly. Toughen up, Jeremiah. Look, you're just running with men and you're already worn out. What happens when I send the horses out and you got to compete with them? You know, you're here in the line of peace and you're all upset. What happens if you go down to the Jordan Forest and have to fight the lions and all the wildlife? You know, if you're already down, what's going to happen when it gets hard? God does not react to Jeremiah the way I would. There are some other times when Jeremiah is upset. And God never like coddles him. God never like comes to him and says, come on, come on, you can do it. It's too, I know it's hard. You know, just, just come on, we, we'll, we'll do it together. You know, I'll make it easier for you. God doesn't say that. God says, wow, you think this is hard. He said, and then, and then God drops the bombshell. He says, uh, the truth is, it's a little worse than you realize, Jeremiah. <laughs> How is it worse? His own family's plotting against you. Yeah, it's not just the people in your hometown. It's actually your own brothers. <laughs> you know, they're plotting against you. Why wouldn't Jeremiah have realized that? Might not have even suspected it. Why wouldn't he have suspected it, probably? His brothers. And? They're saying nice things to his face, but... Exactly! They say they love you and they care about you and they respect you and they appreciate you and all that. 
but behind your back they're plotting to kill you. You can't always trust people when they're nice to you. How's that going to make Jeremiah feel? Yeah. So he's saying, Jeremiah, you already upset. You didn't even know what was really bad. Wow. What, what makes us down? You ever get down, discouraged? Because of what? Somebody do what? Abandonment from the ones you love. Yeah. Abandonment from the ones you love. Somebody laughs at you. Somebody slams the door in your face. Somebody double crosses you up, betrays you. It could get a lot worse. You ever suffered what Jesus suffered, what Paul suffered? You know, I mean, our sufferings are a joke. They're nothing. They could get a lot worse. Toughen up. It's interesting to me. God just challenges his faithful prophet Jeremiah and says, listen, you don't realize. You, you're already starting to weaken. You're not going to make it. Yeah, it would be a lot tougher than this. We, we got, we, how would you feel if it was your own family that was turning against you? Would that be hard? I would think so. Some of you may have experienced that in some ways. Some of you may not have, but you may. Or your best friend, or others who turn on you because you're doing what's right. Comments and questions. Paul. Uh, I was wondering about verse 2 when Jeremiah talks about how God has planted those who do treacherous things. What do you think is meant by God planting them? It's like saying, man, you put them in a great place and they're just thriving and things are going well for them. So God's like planted them in the sense that God has put them in a position where things are going well for them. You know, like, I think that's the idea. Kimberly. Yeah, that's right. Ecclesiastes 12. Yeah. 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 Uh, because you're going to get old and then you're have a hard time serving God with very much vigor and energy. Other thoughts? Well, that's not all God has to say. The next section is interesting too, 7 to 10. I have forsaken my house, and I have abandoned my inheritance. I have given the beloved of my soul into the hands of, their, of her enemies. My inheritance has become to me like a lion in the forest. She has roared against me. Therefore, I have come to hate her. Is my inheritance like a speckled bird of prey to me, and the birds against her on every side? Go, gather all the beasts of the field, bring them out to devour. Many shepherds have ruined my vineyard. They have trampled down my field. They have made my pleasant field a desolate wilderness. Well, look at what God's saying right now. Do you understand how this fits in the context. What's God trying to say in 7 through 10? Jeremiah is not the only one who's being betrayed. Yes. And he's not the only one who's suffering. Have you ever thought about how much God's suffering in this? He says, I've forsaken my house. I've abandoned my inheritance. I've given the beloved of my soul into the hand of her enemies. My inheritance has become to me like a lion before she's warred against me. You know, God's hurts a lot greater than Jeremiah's. Israel's turned on God like a roaring lion. 
You know, as if God was the prey and Israel's attacking God. You think you've got it rough, Jeremiah? You think it's hard on you? Look at me. Look at what I'm going through. God has come to hate his own people. What a tragedy. You will never suffer as much as God suffers. You know, is anybody, is anybody turning away from the Lord and, and betraying you? Has it ever hurt you? Some of you may have had like a sibling turn away from God or a parent or, or somebody you really cared about, a best friend, and they abandoned the Lord. How does that feel? Bad. It feel really hard, very discouraging, very disheartening, very feel very just hurt. But there is nobody in this world that you love as much as God loves. So if you feel hurt because you care about them so much and they turn away from the Lord, God hurts even more because he loves them more than you do. So any hurt we feel, God feels it more. Any sense of betrayal we feel, God feels it more. We don't ever think about that. It's actually an encouragement sometimes to realize, well, when I feel that, God knows exactly what I feel. You know, sometimes I've thought about like, and most, you know, none of you, I guess, are in this position, couldn't be. But sometimes it's extremely hard for parents when they have a child they love that turns away from the Lord, sometimes even turns away from them and is rebellious. And man, that really wounds you when it's your own child that you've always loved and cared for. But think about it. How many children has God had that turned away from him and hurt him? You know, we think, I, nobody could possibly understand how bad this feels and how hurt I am. Well, God surely can. He's been doing a lot more than we have. So he's asking Jeremiah to really think about his own pain, God's own pain. As, as he just has to see his own people being destroyed because they've turned away from him. It wasn't any fun for God to have to punish his own nation. That was such a hard thing for him. Isn't that a cool thought? I mean, that, that, this is really helpful to stop and think about what Jeremiah is going through and how God deals with him. Comments and questions on that. Kind of makes me question how I treat others when they're going through a hard time, whether I should, you know, just give them a pound on the back, it's okay, it'll, it'll be over, you'll get through, should I just uh, say it more bluntly, like, you should be stronger. There's probably something to say on both sides of that, depending on the situation. Obviously, we're supposed to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. However, Sometimes our sympathy can be enabling. You know, and so we've got to be careful that we're seeking the person's best interest, not just seeking to make them feel better. That's a challenge, isn't it? 
to know what to say when. So, I mean, there needs to be hope given. There's a way back. God loves you, but man, there needs to be some responsibility given. And I think sometimes we can just be, are we worried about the people liking us and not getting upset with us? Or are we really seeking to bring them back to God? And sometimes we need to encourage each other. Hey, quit, quit to feeling sorry for yourself. There is probably nothing that I see in my own limited experience that makes a person more vulnerable to fall into sin than feeling sorry for themselves. <clears throat> and sometimes we enable that. You know, sometimes we take somebody that has gone through some bad things and we're like, man, I don't know how you do it. Oh man, that is so horrible. Man, how do you live like that? You know, wow, if I were you, I'd just, I'd just quit the Lord and everything. <laughs> That's not what people need. You know, they don't need me to just, you know, help them feel justified in feeling sorry for themselves. They may need, to, they may, may need me to say, yeah, I love you. And I'm willing to feel it too. But rejoice, you can suffer from the name of the Lord. What a blessing that God is letting you go through these things for him. Things like that. You know, seeking to build the person up to do what's right. Right, right. Uh, First Thessalonians 5.14 says, We urge you, brothers, to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. Um, so that tells us what we need to do with each of them, but it takes a lot of wisdom to tell, you know, are they just, they just struggling, discouraged, or are they just idle and just need to, you know, get motivated? Yes, and Jude 22 and 23 does the same thing. Not everybody's in the same situation. Uh, so it's not one size fits all. Always think about the best for the person. But there, we need more challenge to do well sometimes than what we get. You know, you, we can get, you know, weak Christians just kind of sympathizing with each other as to how hard it is instead of really helping each other. Kimberly. You know about, like, what we learned over here, like if someone is struggling with Help them by like telling them, you know what, God is suffering more. You help them focus more on God and His feelings and themselves. Because it's so easy when we suffer, all of our feelings and ourselves. But when you give them that advice and tell them what God has suffered for you, know, God, you know, understands, and you have to be considerate of His feelings, you know, they get to focus more on God's feelings. Exactly. And that's precisely what's done here. That's exactly the pattern we've got. Is God himself challenging Jeremiah, don't feel sorry for yourself, think about what I'm going through. That's very helpful. Other thoughts? All right, 11 to 17. Heart on all the bare hearts and wilderness, the shores of home, for the sons of the Lord, 
dividing from one end of the land into the other. There is no peace for anyone. They have sown wheat and have reaped corn. They have strained themselves to no profit, but be ashamed of your harvest because of the fierce anger of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, concerning all my wicked leaders who spoke at the inheritance with which I have endowed my people, endowed my people Israel. Behold, I am about to uproot them from the land and uproot the house of Judah from among them. And it will come about that after I have uprooted them, I will again have compassion on them and I will bring them back, each one to his inheritance and each one to his land. And if they will really learn the ways of my people, to swear by my name, as the Lord lives, even though they taught my people to swear by God, they will be healed up in the midst of my people. But they will not listen, and I will uproot that nation, uproot and destroy it. Okay. So, the land has been made a desolation. God is going to punish the land. Nobody cares. And so God's going to bring the destroyers. The sword's going to devour. The, the judgment has come. You know, because of their wickedness, because of their unconcern for the Lord, God's going to wipe them out. And then he says in verse 14, concerning all my wicked neighbors who strike at the inheritance with which I've endowed my people Israel, what's God going to do to Israel's neighbors? He'll them. Yeah, they're going to be punished. The ones who have punished God's people will be punished. God uses them to punish his people, and then he turns on them. And he says in verse 15, it will come about that after I've uprooted them, I will again have compassion on them and bring them back to their land. In other words, God invites the nations that he punishes to turn to him and to be blessed with his people. There is a return for those other nations as well and an opportunity for them to become God's people if, verse 16, they will really learn the ways of my people to swear by my name, then I will bless them and they can become my people too. Does that not foreshadow what happens in Christ, in Christ, in Jesus? That the blessings of the promise to Abraham are extended to all the nations to the Gentiles as well, and they can become God's people if they are loyal in their allegiance to God. If they won't listen, then I'll uproot them and destroy them. So really, not only is God in the end going to bring the Jewish nation, the remnant, back to him, but he's going to offer the opportunity for Gentiles who are willing to be loyal to him to be brought back to him and to be blessed by him as well. There is future hope for the nation of Israel and for the other nations if they will turn to God and be loyal and faithful to the Lord. Comments and questions? So a lot going on in Jeremiah. A lot to think about. It would really help us if we go back and just really reread through these sections and think through them. There's a decent amount of repetition in some of Jeremiah. There's a lot of very important thoughts, of very deep thoughts, uh, a lot of really uh, graphic ways that he says things. So we've got a lot to learn from that. Uh, and we will stop here for today so that we can pick up the beginning of chapter 13.
whenever we do this again.